0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Randy Wynn takes one to right center field. This one will get down for a base hit. It'll roll all the way to the wall. Ken Griffey Jr. will pick it up. Wynn is going to go to third, and Randy Wynn has hit for the cycle. Randy Wynn with a single, a homer, a double, and now he gets the triple. That was the day Randy Wynn completed the cycle with a triple in his last at bat. He admitted he was thinking about it as he walked to the plate. It was one of many memorable moments for Wynn, who was a big building block piece for the Giants right before they put together a championship roster. We go Inside Randy Wynn's Giant Moments now. now, now. This is Inside Giant Moments. Presented by T-Mobile, our franchise has countless memorable, iconic moments. Join Mark Willard as he connects with our former players who lived these moments to relive the emotions,
2: the stories, and the joy.
1: Randy Wynn joins the Inside Giant Moments podcast. Randy, it is a a real pleasure to have you. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to be on and glad to be talking Giants.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's uh, let's do it. Let's celebrate uh, your time in San Francisco. Uh, You, you of course, have a whole lot of Bay Area roots before you were even traded to the Giants in 2005. You attended San Ramon Valley High School, then Santa Clara uh, for for college. So when you get the news that you're coming back to the Bay, how does that hit you at the time?
0: Well, I'll start big picture. So. One of the questions I get is, like, what was your favorite team to play for? And that's a very difficult question to ask because every team you have something about it. You know, your, your first hit was at, with one club, you know, your first chance at a winning ball club. But for me, coming to the Giants was special because, like you said, I, I was coming home. My parents still live here in the area. My brother is in the area. My wife uh, is here from the area. Her parents were here. So it was really a homecoming for us. And and for me, it it almost felt like going back to Little League. Like I I would play a game and my parents were there afterwards. And, you know, we would celebrate, we'd go to dinner. So being able to come home, friends, family, and a chance to play in the Bay Area was, was just awesome.
1: How did they tell you about the trade? Let's go back to that day. What was it like?
0: Yeah, so I was playing for the Seattle Mariners, and we were approaching the trade deadline. And if we go back in history, the Seattle Mariners in 2001 um, won an American League record for for wins. Uh, they had 100 and. Thirteen, something, fourteen, fifteen—a a, a lot of victory. Right. So, <laughs> so when I got there, I, I was still playing with that club, and you know, the Edgar Martinez, the Brett Boones, Freddie Garcia, Jamie Moyer—I could go down the list of uh, of great players, Ichiro Suzuki—that were on that team. So I got a chance to play with those guys. By the time 2005 had rolled around, um, they had traded Freddie Garcia. Um, I believe Edgar may have Martinez may have retired. So that team was kind of breaking up. So approaching the trade deadline, I had a pretty good idea that that I might be the next guy um, being traded. So it was not a surprise hearing all the rumors. It was not a surprise when Bill Bavese, the GM, called me in after the game and said that I had been traded to the San Francisco Giants. So on one hand, you are sad because you're leaving uh, friends and and teammates and, and people that you had grown close to but on the other hand it was a homecoming so I I had mixed emotions um it it was after a game where I actually had had a good game and I was kind of trending in the right direction after my season got off to a slow start so um for me it was looking forward to going home going to the Giants who were were trying to get into the postseason and, and were chasing at that time
1: And the first two and a half months after your arrival with the Giants, probably the best statistical stretch of your entire career. What was going on at that time?
0: Yeah, no no doubt there. Um, First of all, it was fun. (laughs) When I think about that time, it it was fun. You know, anytime you get a lot of hits and you have a lot of individual success, it's fun. But I think it was a culmination of of a lot of things. Um, Where I was in my career – Uh, Pat Borders, a guy that I got a chance to play with when I was young, obviously um, World Series MVP with the Toronto Blue Jays, Uh, a a guy that I remember at one point we were talking He said, you know what, you are at the perfect spot uh, where your knowledge, like all the stuff that you've gained and where you are physically come together. And I, I think it was that. And then plus coming home somewhere that was comfortable. So it was just, kind of the culmination of a a lot of things in my career coming together, and it showed on the field.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, too, because most players I've talked to say it's really hard to hit right away when you switch leagues. And at that time, these are your first ever National League at-bats, and you're absolutely thriving. So how did you do that?
0: Yeah, um, I I, I think also – the, the timing of it, uh, Interleague wasn't like it is now to, in my, um, what I mean by that is that there wasn't an Interleague game every day in the league. Now Interleague is just so common. You're used to teams playing uh, American League versus National League. A- at that time, it was still fairly new. Um, you know, there was a time where we only played, if we, I was, like when I was in the American League East, we only played, um, the National League East. So, I had some experience with National league, the National League game and the National League style of pitching. And to be completely honest, I, I think that league, the National League, and that style of play where um, there's a lot more strategy, bunting, hitting and running, um, using your tools, uh, fit my game and me a lot better. Um, so coming over to the National League, I had some experience, and then that style of play really matched with my style of play.
1: Uh, Just a couple of weeks after you arrive, you guys are in Cincinnati for a game. Uh, Already, you've got a homer, a double, and a single in the back pocket. What do you remember about that next at bat?
0: Well, I remember thinking that uh, I needed a triple for the cycle. And if there's ever (laughs) – right, obviously. Um, I just remember thinking, okay – how, how do you get, you know, you can't force a triple. Uh, you know, if you need a home run, you can cheat a little bit. You can take a bigger swing, uh, step in the bucket. You know, there, there are some things that you can do to try to promote hitting the ball in the air. And for me, that would have to be on the pole side and trying to get the ball out of the park. If I needed a single, you know, there are some things I could do, like I said, with swing set up, trying to just get a single. But a triple... You know, a lot of things have to go right. So I knew that I needed it for the cycle. I, there was nothing really that I could do other than just try to hit the ball hard and, and, and see what happened. And uh, it just so happened that I hit it in the perfect spot.
1: Randy Wynn takes one to right center field. This one will get down for a base hit. It'll roll all the way to the wall. Ken Griffey Jr. will pick it up. Wynn is going to go to third, and Randy Wynn has hit for the cycle. Randy Wynn with a single, a homer, a double, and now he gets the triple.
0: The this, this field that we're playing in, uh, the Great American Ballpark, is small, let's just say, to put it nicely. Um, so it's, right. there's not a lot of room in the outfield. Uh, the dimensions, the alleyways are, are, the alleys are small. They're short. There's not a funky corner where the ball can take a funky bounce or bounce around out there. So I really hit it in the perfect spot. I, I hit a kind of line drive to right center field. Ken Griffey Jr. is playing center, and he was shading me on the pole side. So I hit it to right center. I was hitting right-handed. And so for him, it was the furthest point where he would have to run to get this ball. And obviously the furthest, furthest point, one of the first points from third base. So I remember hitting the ball in the gap. And as I'm rounding first, I see him just digging for the ball. And I know that I have a chance at this point.
1: So is there any hesitation when you hit second base, what you're doing?
0: There was no hesitation once I hit first base, to be honest. Um, I just <laughs> knew that <laughs> I, I knew that where the ball was, um, that I had a chance and. For me to get to third base, there couldn't be any hesitation. So actually, probably right out of the box where I hit the ball and knowing where the outfielders were playing, I knew I had a chance. So there really wasn't any hesitation um, out of the box. Once I hit first and I could, you know, because the play's in front of me, um, you know, the the base, your base coach would always tell you that when the ball's on that side of the field, the play's in front of you and you make your own decision. So I wasn't looking at the third base coach. I knew where the ball was. I knew my speed. I knew I knew Junior's speed. I knew Junior's arm and that I was really going to have to hustle. So there was no hesitation. Once I hit first base, I knew that I had a chance.
1: Uh, you know what I think is really fun is active players will never admit that they go to the batter's box with these kind of statistical things in <laughs> mind, a- a- and retired players will admit it every time. Like, I'm betting yes. if you go back to the interviews you did uh, right after that game, there's no way you said, I'm going to the plate looking for a triple.
0: <laughs> no, there, 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 there's no chance. And one of the funny parts about it, so Ron Wotis was on the coaching staff, and he's still on the Giants coach staff. He's been around a long time. And I remember him after the game, he came up to me and he said, because um, I, I was having a good month and a good stretch. He, he said, you know what? It seemed like you are on the verge of a cycle almost every day. Um, so <laughs> so I, I was doing well. So I had lots of chances. But that one, you know, when you come to the plate, and it was still fairly early in the game, if I remember correctly. Sixth inning, seventh inning, sixth inning maybe. Um, to have a shot or, you know, maybe a couple at bats at getting the last leg of a a cycle is really unique.
1: Uh, 14 home runs for the giants in that short stretch, second half of the season. You were always a player who had some pop in the bat, but 14 home runs and 231 at bats. That is big time power hitter type stuff. So, what got into you at that time in, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, a power source?
0: Yeah, I, I, I really can't explain it. I, I didn't do anything different to, to be completely honest. That's one of the softest I tried to swing. I, I wasn't really trying to swing harder. I wasn't changing my approach or anything like that. Uh, I, I, honestly, I, I can't explain it. Like I said, I, I didn't do anything different. I, I honestly believe it was just a culmination of a, a lot of things coming together. Um, you know, I was, you know, physically strong. I was mentally strong. Um, I was excited about the place I was playing, um, playing in a park that usually doesn't give up a lot of home runs unless your name is Barry Bonds. But uh, I was able to sneak yeah. a few out. Um, you know, if, I think if you added a lot of my home runs together, they were just right over the wall. You know, they weren't, uh, kind of the berry <laughs> blast where you can sit back and watch, watch and know that they're gone. Um, yeah, I, I really can't explain it. It was just, uh, a, a, a great time. It was, it was fun coming home. And, you know, even though I was coming back to a place where I went to high school and college, I, I really didn't get a, a lot of people that were pressing for my time, which, you know, if, if you grow up here in the area, uh, it, it's very tough to play. You know, a guy like Brandon Crawford that, that grew up in the Bay Area, that's very tough to, to play where you grew up. For me, this was later in my career. I had already played in the big leagues five, six years at this point. So, you know, everybody had seen me play. So, so coming home, it was really relaxing instead of stressful.
1: Well, I think that's interesting. You say normally there's going to be a, a lot of demands on your time, and, and maybe for you there there weren't, maybe because you did already have so many things already established as a major league player. Was that Barry also? Was that just because everybody was so focused on, on Barry at that time?
0: Yes. Uh, you know, t- 2005, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, but Barry had been hurt for most of 2005, and when I got there, I don't think he played that first month of August. I don't think he started playing until September. Uh, I believe it was a knee. I'm not 100%. But um, obviously going, once he started playing in 2005, 2006, and he started hitting monumental historic home runs, you know, 714, 715, setting the National League record, and then obviously setting the all-time record, uh, there was a lot of focus on Barry. And um, I, I hadn't played with somebody who I played with some some great players, but nobody where the focus was always on him, not not just the media, but the other team. And I, I say this lovingly and jokingly, but you know this was old Barry. He was forty plus, and the respect that he commanded from opposing pitching staffs was was really impressive.
1: Late in September, you guys are out of the race. Your power, though, as we discussed, still very much on display. You had a two homer game against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Take us through that game and what you remember.
0: Um, let's see. I, I believe if I, you know one of them hit kind of hit the foul pole. Um, that was the one thing that kind of stuck out about that game is you know you, you don't hit a, well when you don't hit a lot of home runs. Obviously, a lot of them hit the foul pole. I think that was the only one in my career that, that hit the foul pole. Uh, but I, I just remember as August ended and moving into September, feeling really comfortable at the plate.
2: Here's a 2-1, a swing, and a drive down the right field line. If it's fair, this could be another home run, and it's off the pole! It is gone! Randy Wynn has gone deep for the second time tonight. And he hit it way up there off the foul ball, a home run and the Giants lead 3-2. to two.
0: And, you know, when, when people describe the zone or being locked in, everything was just really, really slow. The ball felt really, really big. And it, it almost felt like I had a remote control for, for the game. You know, if, if I felt like taking a pitch, the pitcher would throw a ball. You know, if If I was thinking that he'd throw a fastball, he'd throw a fastball. If I was thinking, you know, he might try to, you know, trick me if he's ahead in the count, throw a changeup, that's what he did. Um, Everything was just really, really slow. And, you know, I I was picking up the ball well. I was really relaxed. I wasn't over swinging. And, you know, around that time with that Arizona game, I, I remember that feeling specifically.
1: The timing for you was beautiful because you were a free agent at the end of the year and the giants obviously in love with what you're doing at that time. So how did those off sneezing negotiations go for you? Well, I, I was not,
0: um, a true free agent. I had, uh, a, an option that year. So there is a team option and player option. So I, and, and how that worked, I'm trying to remember, but I believe that, you know, both of us had to say that we didn't want each other for me to be a free agent. And, Got you know, it. I, I knew going to San Francisco that I wanted to be there. Um, so, so, so I knew that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and, um, the negotiations actually were very easily, very easy and, um, very painless. I believe they picked up my option right away. And then going into that off season, we talked about an extension and it, it got worked out and it got worked out pretty quickly. Um, obviously they liked me, what I had done and what I had brought um, on the field. And I love being home and playing for the San Francisco giants and playing for an iconic franchise.
1: So they were quick. They were painless. They were, they were easy, but that realization that now you're going to not only get to play for the Giants, but do it for a while. What what kind of emotions are going through you at that time?
0: Well, it, I, it, it was very relaxing. Um, I, I think being a free agent, you know, for, for somebody that I guess likes order and likes to know where they're going to be can be a bit unsettling. So knowing that I was going to be in one place for the next I believe it was three years or, or four years was, um, was very suddenly, uh, you know, as a player, y- you like to be wanted and, you know, the Giants showed that they wanted me and they appreciated me. And I, I was already in, in love with obviously the Bay Area from having grown up here, but obviously, and also in love with the organization, um, having a chance to play there for those couple months. So, um, you know, I, I think it was, mutual admiration and it was it was great when it works out that way
1: you already mentioned what it was like when when barry returns from injury in 2005 and then you start that first full year with the giants for you in 2006 and barry is is ready to roll at at full health and and all the historic home runs are, are coming what was it like for you on a nightly basis to share an outfield with him at that time
0: I think as you kind of change from a fan and into a big league player, you start to realize that people are just people and players are just players. And uh, no matter how great they are and how many accolades and silver sluggers and gold gloves and MVPs that they've won, that they're just human beings. And, you know, when, when I was playing center and you look over there and it's Barry Bonds, I wasn't thinking, oh, my gosh, he has – seven silver sluggers and five MVPs and, wow, you know, one of the greatest left-hand hitters. To, you know, I, I, I wasn't thinking like that. You're, I'm thinking, hey, Barry, uh, you got the gap. I'm moving over, right? You know, <laughs> it, the, <laughs> you think the conversations were, were, were a bit more immediate than that. But, you know, as, as I sit here now and you have a chance to reflect, um, it was really special to be that close and to have a front-row seat at history.
1: You know, you talk about not only getting to watch it, and in some ways your life maybe was a little calmer because the media attention was all focused on him. I have to imagine at times that created some challenges for the rest of you, though, as well. What, what was it like to be on the team and, and have that media throng following you guys everywhere you went?
0: Yes. And the biggest challenge <laughs> was on the road – getting from my locker to wherever I needed to go. Uh, Typically visiting clubhouses aren't the largest in terms of square footage. And, you know, as we approached the big numbers that I mentioned, 714, 715, uh, 7, I think 33 was a big one. And then obviously 755 and 756, the number of people in our clubhouses grew. And, um, for the most part, you know, people were just kind of standing around, you know, it was, it was just a lot of people in the space um, who were there to document, to record, to, you know, do their jobs. I, I don't blame them, but the most difficult thing, honestly, was getting through the crowd, going from my locker <laughs> <laughs> to the, the cage or, or coming back in and trying to get some food. There was just lots and lots of people.
1: What did Barry do to find normalcy? I would imagine being just around you guys whenever he could find that was probably a source of calm for him and for all of you.
0: You know, it, it, it was amazing. Like for for him it there was no difference. Like I, I didn't notice a difference in him. He he did his same routine. He you know, he he wasn't big into you know having media conferences or press conferences or, or big gatherings at his locker. He just kind of did his own thing. And, you know, I, I guess I was thinking well, if that was me, you know, I, I, I would not different in a bad way, but you, you feel like something would change, but, but for him, I, I'm guessing that, you know, he was always used to uh, media coverage, media scrutiny, media interest in him. So For him, there there wasn't really any any difference. And, you know, to be able to – here's the really amazing thing about it, is at all of these numbers, the parks are packed. People are either cheering for him or against him. But everybody wants to see one thing. They want him to hit a home run. One of the hardest things to do as a hitter – in baseball to hit the ball out of the park and he was able to do it time and time again when the pitchers knew that (laughs) that's what everybody (laughs) came to see that, that that's what barry did 700 and whatever amount of times when they were facing him you know as a pitcher you're trying to get him out you don't want to give up a home run you don't want to be in the history books as the guy that gave up the home run and he was still able to do it time and time again to me that is just amazing like he he never went to a slump he never changed he never pressed he was just buried
1: early on in that season uh you further endeared yourself to Giants fans with a walk-off single against the Braves Lance Negro starts the inning off with a home run that ties the game and then you win it with a single off Chris Rietzma what do you remember about that day
0: not very much actually <laughs> uh, to be completely honest, um, not 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 that I had a a ton of, of walk off hits. Um, that one, for some reason, just does not jump out to me.
1: Well, we uh, we uh, we definitely remember it and uh, and have the <laughs> highlight right here. <laughs> Here's the first one to win? Swinging a fly ball to right field, sinking quickly. It will land
2: coming around third. For Lees. the throw from Frank Corn The backstop. The Giants win it six to five.
1: It must be nice. It must be nice to uh, to have enough of a career where you can have moments like that that uh, <laughs> that don't even necessarily
0: stand out. Yeah, th- that I, I guess that is a good thing. Uh, you know that there I there's little things that stand out. And I guess there's, there's bigger things that, that don't, and, and for whatever reason, not that it wasn't special, not that I didn't enjoy winning the game, but I guess as kind of my career goes, that's not one of the, for, for me personally, that's not one of my big memories.
1: In 2007, Bruce
0: Bochy arrives. How does that change things? Well, at, at that time, not, not that much. I, I was, and I and I say that with a lot of respect, because in my giant career, I was blessed to play for two very, 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 very good managers. When I got traded there, I, I played for Felipe Alou, who was uh, known as a very good manager, a players' manager, very, very successful. Bruce Bochy comes over in 2007, same pedigree, um, very, very good manager very good players manager, let the players play, put you in a spot to succeed. And so going from Felipe to Boach was very seamless. They both had the same characteristics that, that made them successful managers. They let you play, they put you in a spot to succeed, and they kind of took a step back and let the players play. Um, So as a guy that came over to the National League and played against Boach, and, and you form an opinion about what you think, you know, what a manager does and, and who he is and how he handles his team. And, you know, you, you ask questions. And, and Boach, all of the accolades that he had received up to that point were right on the money. You know, what, what the players said about him, what the media said about him, um, they all all right on the – right on the money and so any chance to play for him um you know before he goes on to win all the world series it it was a lot of fun he was very easy to play for very relaxed and let you do your thing
1: okay quick pause to thank our sponsor t-mobile it's never been more important to stay connected and t-mobile has taken steps to support customers along with frontline workers nationwide During these uncertain times, they've been amazing. T-Mobile responded to customer needs by increasing network capacity, lifting smartphone data caps and increasing data allowances for schools and students in the Empower Ed program. They've also committed to donate $2.5 million to over 100 local schools and Boys and Girls Club of America, which provides childcare for our nation's first responders and healthcare workers, meals for families in need and more. T-Mobile is committed to supporting customers, communities, and thanking frontline workers across the nation. Visit T-Mobile.com for more information. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. The organization and the fans, as we've established already, is kind of locked in on the Barry Bonds home run chase. But the team is also on the verge of what became a very, very special time. Is there a sense at that time Amongst the players that that something special is building?
0: Well, let me go back. In 2005, when I got there, we were chasing the Bruce Bochy-led Padres. And with, I want to say, two weeks left in the season, we had a chance to catch them. I remember we had a big series down in San Diego, four-game series. And I think if we swept the series, we would have been one game back or tied. So, in 2005, we have a chance to go to the postseason. 2006 wasn't as good of a year. Um, 2007 also wasn't. So, I, I kind of went through a transition period where, in 2005, five, Moisés Salou, Steve uh, Finley wasn't there in 2005. Was, Steve Finley was there in 2006. Gardo Alfonso, Ray Durham, um, Jason Schmidt, Jeff uh, We We had a lot of veteran players, a lot of good, solid veteran players. And then, you know, we, we transitioned and we get the Tim Lincecum's, we get the uh, Matt Cain's, you know, some of the younger guys that ushered the Giants into the, to the next wave. So did we know that three championships was coming? No. <laughs> but uh, having a chance to play center field behind Matt Cain, behind Tim Lincecum, um, I played behind Madison Bumgarner in his first ever start. Um, you see that there's some uh, Brian Wilson was on the team who obviously was the closer for uh, the first championship. And I believe the second, um, y- you saw that the giants really had some, some really good arms and a quick story. I remember we, in 2009, we go into Milwaukee and we're playing, it's the Ryan Braun, Prince fielder, um, Milwaukee Brewers. And I get to first base and it's, let's, let's say it's August. And we have an outside shot at the wild card, and this is 2009. And Prince Fielder says, "I really hope we don't see you guys in the postseason." And you know, maybe I couldn't see that it was necessarily building because I was in the grind of the daily season, but I think teams around the league saw. And I think what they saw were, okay, in a short series, I don't want to see Jonathan Sanchez, Matt Kane, Tim ten ten Lincecum. Right, We don't want to see those guys. And then you got right. Brian Wilson in the bullpen. So I think other teams around the league saw the young pitching and saw that, hey, there are some pieces here where these guys could be really scary in the postseason.
1: A sign of things to come for sure. Uh, before we leave 2007, I want to spotlight August 6th of that year. You had a walk-off single in the 11th inning against the Nationals, and it ended up being I remember a, a, a this one. very – yeah, okay. So it's a special point. it's a special series for the team too also, right? Because uh, in that series Bonds has tied Aaron and then sandwiched in there you get the big game winning hit. So what what was that entire series like?
0: Yeah, so I believe this is the day before Bonds hits 756, I think. That um, is that is correct. Yes. Yeah. So at this time, I'm I'm batting third and Barry's batting fourth. So we go into the series, clubhouse is packed with people, there's cameras everywhere on the field, uh, you know, batting practice. You know, it, it feels like like an all-star game, like that kind of buzz ar- around it with, you know, that much attention. And so I remember going into the series and I'm hitting third. And this game that we're talking about where I end up getting a walk off, I, I have a great game. I have four hits. Um, I'm on base five times. And I remember when I'm on, on first base and, you know, it, hitting in front of Barry, it, I, I kind of, I stopped stealing because if, if I would steal second, they would just walk him. So right. <laughs> I, I, be, I, I became a fan over that first base, just kind of watching, watching him and waiting for him to hit a home run. And so I, I'm on first, you know, this whole game. And all, all I can think of is, you know what? Every time that they show this highlight of Barry hitting this home run, there's going to be me standing at home plate, you know, congratulate. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I'm on all, all game, and, of course, he doesn't hit it. Um, but it turns out to be a, a good individual game for me. I get the walk off um, um, in, in the bottom, well that? It was the bottom of the ninth, 11th or was it innings. extra innings? Yeah, that oh, no, was yeah, extra Eleventh inning. Yeah. In, I believe it's infield in. I hit kind of a single to to right field, and and we win the game. So it was already an emotionally charged environment because everybody's waiting for Barry to hit this home run. So you know we have a big crowd, a lot of emotion, and so it was you know the, it was it was a big hit even though we weren't in the postseason or anything like that. It was just kind of an emotionally charged game. So. That was definitely one that uh, that I remember.
2: Here's the set by Ayala, and the one-two pitch on the way. Win swings and lines one reach of Belliard into right field. A base hit. Roberts is in to score, and the Giants have won this one in 11. The
1: final three to two. Let's go to the next night. He does hit number 756. Again, you were the previous batter. You flew out deep to left field. You you basically warmed. Mike Batchick up for Barry.
0: Yeah. And the complete opposite of the night before. So the night before I have a great game, this game, I have a terrible game. I'm, I don't, I don't even know if I reached base. Um, so I, I had the, the seat in the dugout to, to watch him. Um, but I do remember that about right before his, I actually thought that um, I thought that it, I might get out of the park If not, it was, it might be off the wall for a double. So mixed emotions for me. I had the the momentary high of the ball off the bat, going, okay, I got a hit to, oh man, I'm not, you know, an out. And so, yeah, I guess you could say I, I I warmed up the pitcher, but uh, I I don't think Barry would say that. I I think, (laughs) I think he uh, all pitchers know, you know, when, when he's coming up and who he is. So, um, I had my seat on the bench after I flew out and uh, watched Barry make history.
2: Everybody's standing here at 24, Willie Mays Plaza. An armada of nautical craft gathered in McCovey Cove beyond the right field wall. Bonds one home run away from history. And he swings, and there's a long one deep in the right center field, way back there. It's gone, aha! into the center field bleachers to the left of the 421 foot marker an extraordinary shot to the deepest part of the yard and Barry Bonds with 756 home runs he has hit more home runs than anyone who has ever played the game
0: and it was you know it, you the camera's on him and, and you watch him and he hits it and it's no doubt It was the same thing in the dugout. As soon as the ball left the bat, you knew it it, it was gone. And I I, I said this before, the impressive thing is everybody's there to watch him hit a home run. The pitcher's trying not to give up a home run, and he still does.
1: Amazing experience, I'm sure, and and a lot of different emotions. And, And when it does go out and the reality sets in for the entire team, I wonder how you would describe your emotions. Are, are, are you
0: excited? Are you relieved? What are you thinking then? You know, I, I really think that at the moment it's, it's difficult to quantify. So in, in my career, I've had two – been part of two career moments, for, for, not for myself, for other players. Um, I got a chance. I was hitting behind Ichiro Suzuki – in 2004, when he broke the single season hits record, um, very, very cool. Awesome to watch I hit in front of Barry when he broke the home run record. And for both examples, like going through it as a player, you can't really put it into words at that time. You know, you, you know that it's big, you know that it's something you've never seen before and probably will never see again while you're in uniform. Um, so I, I can't really say that I was relieved. I, I was definitely excited. I was excited for him. I was excited to be a part of it, to to share it, um, to be able to talk about it from you know a, a first person perspective. Um, it is cool. But but now as I sit here years later, uh, I don't even know if it's completely sunk in. Now. But but I just have a better perspective it, you know it, as as I've had a chance to sit and watch a lot of games and you watch guys that um, have had great months, great years, watching what Barry did was a culmination of a great career and you know that those don't come along very often. I, I think now we as soon as somebody has a great year, we try to put them in a the category of all-time greatness but You've got to do that for 10, 15, 18, 20 years. And and that's what Barry did. So, like, as I reflect, I realize how hard it is to play 10 years in the league just to play 10 years. But to be great for 15 to 20 years is really unbelievable.
1: You are a Bruce Bochy favorite during your time on the club how would you describe that relationship
0: i think we had a good relationship uh, you'd probably have to ask Boch for sure but um i i would think that well i would like to call myself a, a low maintenance player um you know i, I didn't gripe much i i just wanted to be in the lineup put me in there let, let me go and i will give you 155 games, right? That, that was kind of how I, you know, fancied myself is I, I, prided myself on playing every day. I prided myself on grinding through the good times and the bad times. And I, I think Boach appreciated that. You know, I, I felt like, um, I was rewarded for my efforts and, grinding and the good and the bad with an opportunity to play every day. And, um, that showed that he respected what I did and he appreciated what I did. And I appreciated what, what he did. And it made me want to go out and give my best, not only for him, but for my teammates.
1: You know, Boach has the reputation of, of locking on to certain players, being very loyal. Um, are, Are there specific characteristics you think, and maybe you have some of them, that, that really make him love a player?
0: I think Boch has always tended to, uh, I don't know if gravitate's the right word, but um, he's always liked veteran players. Um, and, and I don't know that there's ever been a knock on Bruce Bochi, but, you know, you'd hear grumblings from people that, you know, he, oh, he sticks with his veterans too long or, or whatever it is. And, um, you know, as, as a guy that I guess got the benefit of that, I, I definitely appreciate that. And I, I think in the game, once you just I, I think managers appreciate consistency and I believe that they feel like veterans give them consistency, even if they, maybe they're not performing at their peak. And I, I, I think Boach is a guy that he'll go with his gut and he'll go with the hot hand. But, you know, if you're a guy that has performed, he will put you in that same position to perform over and over again. And veterans appreciate that. And I think he appreciates the consistency that the veterans give him.
1: Speaking of relationships, who are you from that group these years?
0: Uh, I would say I'm probably closest to – uh, Rich Aurelia and also Dave Roberts from those teams. Uh, Richie came back for his second stint as a, as a Giant, and he was a guy that uh, we played together in 2004 in Seattle. And I got to know him there, and we kept in contact. And so when I got traded to San Francisco, he was the guy that I called to ask about what's it like, who do I need to talk to and, you know, he gave me all of the, the rundown and, you know, this is what you do. This is the guy you talk to. Talk to Murph, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> just really, yeah, talk to Murph. Murph will set you right. And that was probably the best advice I've ever gotten. But, um, yeah. So, so Rich is the guy I, that I talk to still, um, to this day. We do, um, TV for pre and post. Uh, sometimes together, but definitely a guy I still talk to, Dave Roberts, even though he works for the enemy. Uh, you know, he was a, he wore the, uh, the orange and black and, and was a guy that, uh, spent a lot of time with and, uh, you know, I'm close to still to this day.
1: Uh, do you and Rich ever have some, uh, some fun reminiscing conversations over a good glass of
0: wine? I, I, I think that's what we tend to do all the time. Uh, But yes, the answer to that is yes. And uh, yes, we, we do drink his red stitch wine and we, we reminisce. You know, that's, that's one of the things that you miss when you stop playing. You know, I, I don't necessarily miss the applause. I don't miss the hits. I don't, I definitely don't miss the slumps and the strikeouts, Um, but you you miss the guys, you miss, uh, you miss the stories. And so, you know, whoever it is that I, you know, run into, um, whether it's at winter meetings or, you know, in a city where I'm at a game or whatever it may be, you, you reminisce and, and you talk about the stories. And Richie and I definitely do that. We've, we've had a lot of games together. We've had games against each other. And it's always fun to talk about not only good times, but but some of the struggles as well. It brings a smile to your face.
1: You had some really good years in other uniforms, but you're clearly best remembered for being a Giant. In, in your mind, what made those years stand out?
0: Well, I, I, I think it was a lot of things. Um, I, I, I do consider myself a Giant. I, I think if you look at my career, that was where I had maybe not the most years, but probably the, the biggest chunk of my statistics there. Um, the Bay Area is my home um, and all of the people that I played with with the Giants all the people that worked for the Giants while I was there and continue to work there I, I feel like they're family so that's what makes the years stand out it's, it's the players it's um, the people that worked in the organization it's the memories it's the good times, it's the bad times everything.
1: Randy, fantastic stuff. It's really wonderful to have you. Thank you for uh, taking this time with us.
0: Oh this has been fun. I, I enjoy going down memory lane. Thanks for having me on. This has been uh this has been a lot of fun.
1: Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments presented by T-Mobile. But don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive conversations, subscribe to the Inside Giant Moments podcast, presented by T Mobile now.
2: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best